Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Well, I really believe that God wants to to speak to some people today. And as I said earlier, if it's just one person, then it means so much to God. Amen? And I just want you to be ready in your hearts today because, you know, when I was preparing this this week, I, I got an email from, um, from Ruth, and she sent me a songs through that she was doing this week. And I sent her an email back straight away. I said, you, you don't realize the songs, the lyrics, because I, I know a lot about the songs. And I said, you don't realize that actually what you've selected is very much on what I'm going to preach on. And, um, and so she said, oh, thank you for encouraging me. It's good to encourage people. But I just want to tell you today, I really believe the Spirit of God just wants to speak to maybe one person, if that's you, and be encouraged. When the Spirit of God wants to speak, that's the main thing, isn't it? Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, that's Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Verse 40. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This story, Mark chapter 4, is all about Jesus crossing over the lake, the Sea of Galilee, to go to the other side. And we see in this story that Him and his disciples hit this major storm. It describes it here in Mark chapter 4 as a furious squall. The title of the message today is Riding Out Your Storm. Riding Out Your Storm. I don't know about you, but sometimes in life we don't have rain or storms as physical storms hitting us, but we do have storms in our lives, and they can be all manner of different storms. I remember many years ago when I got married, I've been married since 2004 now, when we got married, we went on, a, on our honeymoon to Sri Lanka. We, we decided to go to Sri Lanka, and we wanted to go to a place which was nice and warm and hot, and so we did that, and you know, the honeymoon period's great, isn't it? You go and you enjoy these great holidays, and I remember the year after, we didn't have any money left. So I said to him, I said, we can't go to Sri Lanka again. So I said, this year we're going camping. And in 2005, instead of going to Sri Lanka on a plane into the sunshine, in 2005 I said to him, I said, we're going to go camping to France. We're going to drive as well because we can't even afford a flight. So we went in the car and we drove all the way to France. Now, when I did the research, if you know anything about France, you've got the south of France and the west coast of France is 
very well known for uh, storms. If you're on the west coast near the area called La Rochelle, around that area, you get a lot of storms coming in from the sea. Now, I was reading all about these storms, but I never told Emma because I know she doesn't like storms. So I just, I read about this and thought, well, I'll not tell her that bit. And especially if we're camping, she's never going to want to go. So we, we planned the holiday and, and we drove nearly six, seven hundred miles or so down and down to France. We were only there just a couple of nights, and the, the, in a couple of nights into it, in the middle of the night, this major storm hits the tent, and uh, the lightning was lighting the whole of the tent. I mean, my Emma was screaming. She was shouting. I'm, I'm telling you this because she's not here. She's downstairs. But she was, she was literally, in fact, I've got a photograph of her. I was nearly going to show it today, but I thought she'd, she'd kill me if I did. I've got a photograph that I actually took of her just after she screamed, and so... In 2005, things weren't the same as our honeymoon. You know, you can be in the sunshine one day. You can be in a season in your life one day that is like the honeymoon period. It's the, it's the period where you feel like God is blessing you. You know, it's so good to come to church and sing you are good when God blesses you abundantly, when you really feel in life that you've got everything's going well for you. The finances are coming in, the job's going well, everything's going well. But sometimes you get seasons like this where storms hit you. Things hit you and the atmosphere in your life is very different to something that you had previously. And I want to talk to you today about storms because I believe that Jesus wants us to learn something from this story. How do we ride storms? How do we get through these difficulties? Some people would say, I'm not supposed to have a storm. God's supposed to bless me. I'm not supposed to go through seasons like this. I want to tell you today that that is not true. The truth is that you in your life as a Christian are going to go through storms, a furious squall. This was no ordinary storm that they faced. This was something of intensity. I don't know what storms you've got today, but your storm is not rain. Your storm is not wind. Your storm is not trying to break your physical boat. But what the problem is for you maybe today is that in your life you've got financial storms. In your life maybe today as you're sat here, you've got problems in your marriages. You've got problems in your relationships. You've got problems that actually I would call them undetected storms. They're storms that no one else sees. They're like a turmoil inside of you. It's like something is happening inside of you and you don't want to tell anyone so they become so undetected. But actually the truth is, the reality is that your storm is a secret storm. And these kind of storms are not rain. These kind of storms are not things that you can, you can see sometimes on someone's life physically. But actually they're inside of us. They're sometimes enough to crush you. Listen to me this morning. Make no, make no mistake. Your storm has power to destroy you. When you might say, no, 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 because Jesus is good. Listen, your storm has the power to destroy. 
If you can't pay those bills, you can't pay your credit cards, you can't pay the car off that you own and someone else thinks you've, you're doing so well, but deep down inside you're thinking, I can't afford to pay for this thing. Listen to me today. Things like this are enough to destroy you. That's why the enemy says he comes to steal, kill and destroy. But let me tell you, when you know Jesus, he is the anchor in your storm. And some of us today, I really believe this, that some of us right now, you're going through some of the worst things. Today you're here, you've braved it through the storm of the snow. You've got here for God to tell you this morning, all is well. No matter how you feel inside, no matter what's happening inside of you, all is well. You see... I find it so interesting when I read this story. It says this. The waves broke over the boat. And then it says it was the boat was nearly swamped. If you look in the New King James Version, it says that the boat was filling up with water. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been on some boats. I've hired boats. I've been on the sea and I've been on on little boats. I took we've been off onto all kinds of places when we've been on holiday, riding little motorboats. And listen, if the water started filling up on a boat, you've got problems. Because the moment water starts getting onto a boat, you've got serious issues. And so when the water starts to fill up onto this boat, and remember Jesus is on there with them. When the water starts to come onto the boat and fill it, the first thing they're going to think is, this thing is going down. In 1912, the Titanic, that was assumed unsinkable. The engineering that went into that boat, I mean today there's some amazing engineering, but the engineering that went into the Titanic, it was 900 feet long, 24 stories high, And 460,000 tons of engineering went into a ship with about 15 compartments that were supposedly watertight. This ship was promoted as unsinkable. You can't find, listen, you find an unsinkable ship, it's a miracle. Do you know anything can sink? If the right conditions are against it, Anything can be overwhelmed. But listen to me. It was only one iceberg that took that whole ship down. 460,000 tons of engineering was destroyed by one iceberg. God wants you to know today that no matter how strong you make yourself in life, no matter how well your structure is, no matter how much money you pile into your life, no matter what you do, no matter what you engineer in yourself, whatever you do, you only need an iceberg to destroy you. But the Bible says that Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Listen to me, church, this morning. Whatever you feel like, whatever's happening in your life, if there is an iceberg coming your way, when you know the rock that is higher than you, there is no iceberg that is going to take you down. Because when you know the rock that is higher than you, He'll save you. Some of us have got storms today. Some of us have exhausted every avenue that you can think. Maybe you're 
trying to pay those bills. Christmas is coming up. You're trying to do things and trying to achieve so much. You've, you've exhausted all avenues. Let me tell you, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. You know, the enemy wants you to think that you've got no more avenues left. There's someone in here today that you feel like you've tried everything to get you out of the mess you're in. You've hit every brick wall, but I want to tell you, Jesus wants you to know today, if that's finance, if that's problems, if you've hit every brick wall, listen to me right now. Jesus is going to come in right at the last second for you. He will never let you down. He will never let you down, church. He is good. He is good. In Matthew 7 verse 24, Jesus, he tells a a parable. And he talks not to unbelievers, but he talks to Christians. He says this about a storm coming and how we need to prepare ourselves for storms. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. Then it goes on to say that if you don't put these words into practice, you see Jesus is talking here to non-believers, to Christians, sorry. So he's saying, if you don't put the words into practice, if you don't apply and build your life on a rock, when things go wrong, when storms come in, this is the time when you are going to be crushed and beaten by them. As I said, the storms have power. They have destructive power. They can take us down. And the, the only way that we can stop this is to build our lives on the rock of our salvation, on the rock of His Word, by applying it. I want to bring some truths today that I want to encourage you with about the storms that you might be facing. The number one is this, that storms will prepare your faith. They'll prepare your faith. You know, when I read this story, I I found it really interesting because, I don't know about you, Jesus, right, okay, Jesus, he's known as the greatest prophet. I mean, we all like prophets. We all like to go to prophetic conferences. Jesus is the best prophet, amen? Jesus knows what's ahead. He knows what's coming. He's better than any prophet. So whatever, whatever you've met, whichever prophet you've met who knows your street address, you know, all good and well, if he knows where you live, that's fine. If he knows the number of your house, that's fine. You know, we, we can know the number of someone's house, but sometimes we need to know something about what God wants to do in our lives, not the number of our house. So it's all good and well. Words of knowledge are good, but actually we need something of strength behind that. Listen, Jesus was the best prophet there was. He knew ahead of time. Why is it that Jesus, being the best prophet, takes his disciples into a furious storm. I mean, if you're a good prophet, 
You'd say, guys, we've been on the beach all day because that's where he was. He was preaching from a boat on the beach. If you read the previous chapter, you'll see he's giving parables. He's talking to his disciples and he's telling them things, teaching them. You know, they would have been having their Sri Lanka time. They would have been having their honeymoon period. They would have been enjoying their season with God. Their season as Jesus speaks to them truths. Why is it then all of a sudden Jesus decides to take them from that right into the head of a storm? You know, if he's a good prophet, I'd give him a bit of advice. I'd say, why don't you stay here for the night? Have another meeting. Enjoy the presence. But he takes them right into a storm. It says this, verse 35, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. In Matthew chapter 8, it says that the storm came suddenly. So it it comes and they weren't expecting it. And sometimes in our lives, this is what happens. We go into things, Jesus knows what's going to happen, but actually for us, it's a sudden thing. Let me tell you something. Whatever's happening in your life is not surprising Jesus today. You see, when when it surprises you, You tell God in your prayers as though he needs to know because it's going to surprise him. But he already knows what's happening. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. He knows your tomorrow. He knows everything about you. So Jesus knows this. So it's no surprise when you go through a storm. He says that evening, Jesus takes them and says, let's go over to the other side. You see, I find that so interesting. Jesus could have avoided this, but he heads for it. He he heads for it, and he takes them with him. Listen, some of you today, Jesus is leading you right into the eye of a storm. No, we we don't sing about that. No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, for some of you today, Jesus is going to take you right into the eye of a storm. I've been in situations in my life, I'm thinking, Jesus, you've, lo- you've gone, where are you? I can't sense you, I can't feel you there. He's taking you into a storm. Jesus takes people into storms. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He takes you into storms. He, he took his followers right into this place. Where actually, and listen to me here now, that when they saw the water coming over the boat, they would have said to them, thought to themselves, this is it. We're about to die. You see, Jesus will take you to places sometimes where you think you're about to lose everything. That you're on the brink of going down. Why does he do this? Because he prepares your faith. He's preparing you for something Bigger than yourself. And the problem is sometimes what we do is this. We try and avoid the storms. Because we think God doesn't take us into storms. So we say, I'm going to avoid these things. And actually what God wants to do is prepare your faith. And build your character through them. The next time you're in a storm, say, God, if this is your will. Then do what you want to do in this storm. So that I learn something more about you and me. Not God, I command this to go because it's not of you. Before you ask that, say, God, if this is something you're trying to teach me, then teach me. You know, recently I said, I I preached and I said, 
Sometimes I pray God send trouble for me so that it helps me to understand you more. Sometimes I wish I'd never prayed that prayer, you know. Recently. Dear me. Lord, I take that back. (laughs) It's true. I said it. And the Lord fulfills his promises and, you know, Marion's there laughing. He fulfills it. You know why? Because I said that, but actually he does. There are seasons I've gone through that actually I'm thinking, where is God? But I'm learning something that God, he prepares you through these seasons. I, I, a few weeks ago, I was down in London, and when I wanted to come home, I used my sat-nav in the car, the Google Maps, and I know that the Dartford Bridge at 5 o'clock is going to be busy. So when I saw that, I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and Google Maps to put vias in. I'm going to try and make this change by putting other places in to try and make me divert this. However much I tried, this map was taking me everywhere through the central London. And the problem is sometimes in our lives, what we do is we put vias in to avoid what we think is not good for us. Let me tell you, storms are good for you. Storms are good. When the water is lapping over the boat and is about to sink you, it's good. When you want to sing, he's good, sing when the water's coming over the boat. Sing when it feels like the ship's about to sink. Sing when it feels like you can see an iceberg coming towards you and you're going to sink. Because he's good through the storms as well. Amen? Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, the good old wise King Solomon, he said this, There is a time for everything and a season for For every activity under the heavens. Galatians 6, 9, Paul says this. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. See, I put here our focus should not be on the season we serve, but on the reason we serve. Some of us sometimes when we're serving God and we're in church and and everything's going well, you know, The band's playing and things are going well. We're going through seasons that are really good. You know what happens is we're so excited by serving God. But listen to me. I really feel the Spirit of God wants to say this to some people today. Some of us sometimes, we focus on the season that we serve, not on the reason we serve. If you focus on the season that you're serving, however good that is, if you concentrate on serving seasons that are good, when a bad season comes, you're going to be discouraged. Because you rely upon the season, not the reason. Do you understand? So what happens is we, we, we do that. I've, I've done it before. I focus so much on a season where God is blessing us. He's doing something. When that season moves on and God is about to do something new. And it feels quite tough. And the storm's hitting the, 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 the life of the church sometimes. What we do is this. We say, God, I'm, I don't understand it. I'm focusing on the, on the season. He says, focus on the reason. You're doing it for me. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for me. And the Lord wants to remind you today, focus on the reason why you do it. Not the season. Paul says, let us not grow weary. While we're doing good for in due season. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. You see, God designed seasons. 
Let me remind you, he designed seasons. In one day, you've got a season broke up of four compartments. You've got the morning, afternoon, evening, nighttime. You've got a breakup of four elements to your day. And what we see is in this scripture when Mark, and Mark's very good at giving us the details, he says at the beginning, he says, that day when evening came. Do you know that actually a lot can happen in 24 hours? You can have a good morning and a bad evening. You can have a good start, a bad end. Some of us are saying, you know what, may be coming in a few months. Listen to me very, very clearly. You can be here in the morning on the 10 a.m. service and by 4 o'clock your life is crushed. The water's lapping over. You've got a phone call you didn't want to hear. You've got something happened. You've got the creditors after you tomorrow morning. A lot can happen in 24 hours. Didn't want someone once saying, what a difference a day makes. 24 little hours, 24 hours can change you. It says, that day when evening came, don't lose heart because in due season, your evening will end and morning will come. When you're in an evening and it's tough, just remember that he was good in the day so that when the next season comes, you're going to see his blessing again. Amen. Ecclesiastes 7.14, King Solomon says this. I love this. He says again, in all his wisdom, when times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. We don't read this often. He says God has made the bad times as, as well as the good times? No, only, only Satan does that. Only the devil can make my day bad. Only the devil brings bad evenings when I've had a good day. No, he says that God, he's the creator of what's good, and sometimes he'll allow what's bad to direct us, storms to direct us towards him. And I want to tell you today, whatever you're going through, sometimes, yes, the enemy can send storms. But God allows things to happen to direct us back to Him. See, Jesus experienced His own storm on the cross. In Matthew chapter 3, it says this, that Jesus went through, there was three hours of darkness. And this darkness was in the daytime. So when Jesus dies on the cross, it describes three hours of complete darkness. The sun is hidden. This is in the middle of the day. Jesus, when he died on the cross, one moment Jesus is praying for the sick, seeing miracles, seeing the dead raised. The next minute, he's in complete darkness for three hours. Let me tell you, Jesus knows what it is to be one morning in a good season, and then in the next, crying out to his father, Where are you forsaken me? He tells us that today because he knows your season. He knows the difficulty. He knows that you sometimes you're in dark times when the sun is supposed to be shining. It wasn't night time for Jesus. Three hours of darkness in the middle of the day. Some of you have got surprise storms that have come and took you into dark periods when there isn't supposed to be darkness. 
when you don't expect there to be any darkness. And let me tell you, Jesus, He is going to be your light through these seasons. Hallelujah. You know, some of you today are in a dark season for a, a kingdom reason. Some of you today are going through something difficult for a kingdom reason. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I want to just show you Mark chapter 5. If we can just get on the screen. Mark chapter 5 is the next chapter after. This is the ending part of the story. This is the, the conclusion to the storm, after the storm. In Mark chapter 5, it says this. Night and day, verse 5, among the tombs and in the hills. He's talking about the demoniac at it was at the other side. So right at the other side of the lake. This is, this is, let me just paint the picture. This for you, now what you're going to read, is the meanwhile of what's happening in the storm. Because it says here that night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out this demoniac and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of me, shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus. Son of the Most High God. When I saw this, I realized something. This demoniac, night and day, he had a storm. His storm was 24 hours a day. His storm was raging inside of him that caused him to cut himself. That people would leave him up, up in the hills. His storm was going on inside of him, not just in the evening when it got a little bit dark and he felt depressed, but it says night and day. 24-hour storm. Constant storm in this man's heart. Listen to me this morning. Jesus might do something and take you from a good morning and give you a bad evening to take you to someone else who's having a constant storm. Jesus might disrupt your day. He might disrupt your life. And you think, why is this happening to me? Why is it that I had a good morning and now I'm not having such a good season in the evening? And the Lord wants to say to you today that sometimes He's going to disrupt what you're doing so He can take you to someone else who needs Him more. Night and Day. Oh, but what we do is we say, God, why is it I had a good season this morning and then I feel like this now? Why is it that I've had to go through this, this, this death in the family? Why is it that I lost this child? Why is it these things are happening to me? Why? Why is it that I'm losing money like I'm losing and it was all good yesterday and everything seems to be going down the pan? Listen to me. While ever you're going through the storm, Jesus taking you and preparing your faith so you can help someone who's in a worse situation than you. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't stay 
on the shore and he was prepared to cross the divide to get to someone else who needed him. Your temporary storm might be the answer to someone else's constant storm. Whatever you're going through might be the answer. And some of you right now, I really believe that God has been taking you through some stuff to prepare your faith because he's going to use you. He's going to use you in ministry. He's going to use you in areas where you're going to see people's storms end. You're going to see people set free. You're going to see people delivered. You're going to see people touched by the power of God. God is going to use different one, different people in this room because you have been prepared to ride the storm. You've been prepared to let the water come into the boat. Number two, storms will not only prepare your faith, but they'll position your faith. You can, you can prepare yourself and strengthen yourself, but listen to me. You need to position your faith. What is positioning your faith? I'll tell you what position your faith is. I want to ask you sometimes, where is Jesus? Is he in the center? Where is Jesus in your boat? In this story, it says that Jesus was in the stern. I don't know if you've ever seen this. He says they, they get onto the boat. Jesus, remember, he's been preaching from the boat all day. Then they get into the boat, and Jesus, he says, is on the stern. So they put, they, they put Jesus, they give him the best seat. Why? I don't know if you've ever seen this before. But he says that Jesus goes to the stern, and he has a cushion. And he sleeps on a cushion. Now listen, if you've got water coming over your boat, and it's wetting the boat... The first thing that's going to get wet is a cushion. You ain't going to sleep on a wet cushion. And Jesus is given by the disciples the best position, the comfiest position. He gets a pillow, he gets a cushion, and he lays and he sleeps. And it says that for the disciples, the water broke over onto the boat. I want to ask you today, where is Jesus in your life? Is he given the best seat? Do you know that a stern of a boat that is the back of the boat, it's not necessarily a, in a boat like this, it wouldn't have been an, an under compartment because it would have been a small fishing boat, but it would be the back side of the boat. The stern of a boat, if you get a modern boat today, you'll find that they'll always put the engine on the stern. The engine goes to the back, fitted to the stern. It's what forms part of the back because the power of the engine will drive through the structure and send the boat forward. I want to ask you today, Jesus, is he positioned at the stern of your life? You see, when he is, all power is available and his guidance is available through the storm. Where have you positioned him? Where do you position your faith? When the storm comes, is Jesus got the best place? Or are you trying to make yourself comfortable and then say, when I feel comfortable, then I'll ask you for your help, Jesus. Where Jesus says, I want you to put me first. It's very difficult, isn't it, to put Jesus first before anything else. But Jesus wants you to do that today. Storms will position your faith 
the disciples went straight to Jesus. I love this. Can I just say something today to you? That when things go wrong, when things go really wrong, do you get on your knees and pray? We, we can be actively involved in the church, actively serving Jesus, actively doing lots of things. And when the problems come, I want to ask you, when was the last time you got on your knees? When was the last time when things go wrong that you get on your knees and you call to Him? I love the fact that they give Him the best position. They position their faith. They say, when we get on this boat, in fact, it says that they knew, even though this storm comes suddenly, on the Sea of Galilee, storms would come quite, quite quickly and sudden. So it's not that they didn't know that these things couldn't happen, but actually it came on them very suddenly. But they give Jesus the best position. God, God wants you today to put him the center, the stern of your boat, the driving position the place where he can release his power direction. But not only that, that it says that when the storm came, they woke him up and asked for his help. For you today, it may feel like Jesus is asleep. He, he doesn't understand what's going on. He's got no idea what's happening in my life. Let me tell you today that he does. He knows exactly what's going on. But he wants you to come. Some of us think, well, if God knows everything, what's the point in asking him? Can I tell you there's power in prayer? There is power when you pray. Some of us don't believe that sometimes. But there's power when you pray. Stephen Furtick said this, that only way that God can show us he's in control is to put us in situations we can't control. You know, some of you right now are thinking, I can't control the situation. But he can control it. In Hebrews 6, 19, it says this, We have this hope. An anchor for our soul. Firm and secure. And then verse 20 says this, Where Jesus, our forerunner, has entered on our behalf. Can I just say to you today, Jesus is the anchor for your soul. He's the anchor. When you have a storm, He's the anchor. Have you ever looked at this before? Because it says in verse 20 that not only is He the anchor... He's not only the strength, He's not only the thing that's going to keep you rooted and strong, but it says Jesus in verse 20 is your forerunner. This is talking here about nautical terms. It's talking about sea-type uh, sea illustrations. You see, a forerunner is a little boat. If you want to... Uh, put a big ship into a harbor. The forerunner of the little boat would always go ahead of the big boat. 
so that the big boat wouldn't crash into the harbour. It would take its line and its anchor and the little boat would go ahead right into the harbour and it would put that, the anchor into the sand so that then what would happen is the large boat would then winch in and actually what was happening is that the, the, the anchor was pulling the boat in slowly. Jesus is your forerunner boat. He's the one who goes before you. He's the one who went and crossed the great divide. That's why the veil was torn. He went beyond the veil and he has secured your position. He has put the anchor down and now all you've got to do is winch in. You see, what some of us are doing is, we're there with our anchors and saying, I can't find anything secure. I can't find a way out of this thing. I don't know where to put the anchor. It's not sticking in the ground. Nothing is working. Let me tell you, you're here today to hear this, that Jesus Christ has gone before you. He is your forerunner. He is the one who put himself in a little boat so that he could take the line. He could take the anchor and he could secure your position with the Father. So no matter what's happening in your life today, no matter what is happening Jesus is not only your anchor, but he is your forerunner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he's my forerunner. I'm so glad that he is the one who has positioned himself ahead of me. Hallelujah. He's positioned himself. Way ahead of me. Storms will position you. They will position Jesus in the right place that he deserves to be. But they'll also position our prayer lives when we put him back in the center. Do you know you can be, a, you can be an active Christian with no active prayer life? You can be an active Christian for the kingdom of God with no active prayer life. You are not spending time with Jesus. In fact, the only time you spend is singing about Him for 30 minutes on Sunday morning. And a few worship songs in the week. Your only time with God is when you listen to your best worship track. But actually Jesus says, I don't want you to just listen to worship. I want you to worship me. I want you to get on your knees and seek me. I want you to get into the place where you want me. Oh, some churches don't like this kind of preaching. I do. Why? Because it's only where we're going to see change. I'm not into superficial change. I'm into when we change on the inside. And some of us need to get this in our hearts. Whatever storm you're in, it's time to get on your knees and pray to Jesus again. It's time to get on your knees and call out to Him again. 
It's time to put him back in the stern and stop sleeping on your cushion trying to find your anchor to get in the ground. Because he says, I'm your forerunner. I'm your anchor. Let me sleep on the cushion. I'll deal with it. But no, 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 no. We want the comfy position. We want to find our own anchors. He says, I've already done it. 2,000 years ago, I put the anchor in the ground. Why are you trying to do it again? 2,000 years ago, I died on the cross. I had my three hours of darkness. I had the greatest storm this world has ever known. When the Father left me, I had the greatest storm. I know what it feels like. I've gone through the storm so that I could put the anchor in for you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't, know if, I don't know if you seem so excited this morning. I know you're thinking about playing with the snow later on. I, I mean, I've never seen so many people look so unhappy. Come on, get excited. Let's praise God. I, I, listen, I'm not coming here this morning. I'm not coming here this morning to preach a message so you think, oh, that was nice. I'm not prepared all this week so that you could say, oh, that was nice. If I live on that, I go home and I'll be depressed. Come on, we've got to get happy. We've got to get happy. We've got to get happy. Listen to me. You braved it through the storm this morning. We've got to get happy, church. There's no point singing he's good and then being depressed. Sorry if I'm offending you. But sometimes the church needs offending. Do you know the cross was the biggest offense? The blood of Jesus was the biggest offense. That's why people don't preach it these days. We've got to get happy. We've got to, be, we've got to leave here today saying, do you know what? No matter what I'm going through, he's my anchor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's my anchor. Jesus. He's my forerunner. Hallelujah. I'm not bothered. Whether things are going wrong. I said it earlier. I sang it. When things are going wrong. He's my strength. My light. And my song. Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything. What? Yeah, but there's a few things. No, he said anything. Did you hear that? Anything. There's nothing to get worried about, church. This is the word of God. There is nothing to get worried about. Anything. Anything, anything, anything. That broken marriage, anything. That finance problem, anything. Nothing is impossible for him. Jesus. I feel like dancing this morning just because I'm cold. 
Shatamburabasa. He says this. He says this. He doesn't just say anything. Then he says this. But in every situation. What? Every situation. That is your smallest problem to your biggest problem. Oh no, but I only bring the big stuff. You know, when someone's died and I'm, I'm going through it. When, when things are really bad, when the water is really going to sink my boat, that's when I get on my knees and pray. Most of the time, that's what it is. Jesus wants you to know today that in every situation, hallelujah, everyone, the tiniest problems in your life, he's interested in them. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited with this. Why? Because he says, I want you to bring the least thing to me. That seems so insignificant. Do you know this week, my wife was away and we prayed that she would get the money to go to start with. So she gets the money and God blesses her and she goes. And I was so thrilled. And partway through the week, she contacts me and says, we've lost two days of our time because of some of the problems we've had. You know, storms were hitting them. Two days of where the cases went through and I'm thinking, God, if this was you, why is this happening? And, th- and she said this to me. She says, I want to stay two more days. Now, you can imagine what I thought. The water was lapping over my boat. I mean, man, I thought it was going to sink. You know, when you've got two kids running around the house for, t- for nearly ten days. Boy, it's more than a sinking boat. You ought to seen the house. I need a rest. My wife's there. She's smiling on the pictures. You know, you look on Facebook. She's there grinning. I'm thinking, praise God, but you better get home quick. You know, I know this is for Jesus, but so have you got two children? And that's for Jesus as well. She said, is that okay? I said, let me pray about it. Every situation needs to be brought to Jesus. Now, I said, I, at first, I, I got a little bit upset because I said, two more days? Man, you know when you build your hope on something? You know when you've got an anchor that you're, you're winching into and you, you, get, you get so close, you think you're nearly there, and then someone just pulls it a bit further? You like that? You know that feeling when you thought you were going to do something? You thought Thursday night was the end? And I just thought, wow, man. And so I, I got through the weekend. I said, you know what? I said, what about the money? She says, well, you have to pay money to change the flight. I said, well, we ain't got the money. Do you know that day, I, I got a little bit, not cross, but I just said, you know, we ain't got the money. You need, to, you, need, you need to pray for the money. Before you start booking, changing flights, that day the Lord spoke to me and said, leave her alone. He said this to me, he said, leave her alone. He gave me a scripture. He said, tell her to stay. And I didn't want to because I wanted to come back to sort things out. He said, tell her to stay. He said, leave her alone because I'm going to work through her in the next two days. So I did. £100 worse off. Hopefully the Lord meant what he meant. Hopefully I heard correctly. Listen to me, church. No matter what you're going through, Every situation. You know, then she, she leaves and she goes, but I, I've never known so much drama in one trip. Let me tell you that. 
She goes there. Honestly, it feels like I've been there with them. And they, they set off back yesterday, and she sends a message to me. Now, you've got to think this. You've got to picture my storm, church. I've already spent 100 pounds that I'm thinking we ain't got really to be spending on flights to change. But I believe God wants her to stay. So then she heads off back. Then she tells me we've queued seven hours to get through the check control, and I don't think we're going to make the flight. I mean, honestly, me and Gary need a medal. Gary came around to my house yesterday. We had coffee. Trying to work out. We were trying to hunt for flights for them while they're smiling on the pictures. And the storm's hitting me. I'm thinking, how are we going to do this? So, I, in my mind, this is my reaction. She's messaging me. My reaction was this. Well, God, if you meant for this to be good, why is this happening? You know, you told me to say, now it's getting even worse. She said, I'm not going to miss the flight. I thought, now she's going to miss the flight. We've paid £100 to change. Then she's going to have to buy a new flight. This is getting worse. This is not God. So when she said to me, this is what's happening, my reaction in my heart wanted to put, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. But I thought, if I put them things, I'm going back on what God said. So I said, we'll pray. And she, she, there was praying. She says, pray. She said, pray for, for a delay. Pray for things. So I thought, we've got to pray for the flight to delay. They've got to get to the plane. She says, we've got 30 minutes to get there. And then she sent me a message. She said, it's impossible. We're never going to make it. The taxi driver can't. I said, Lord. And I prayed. I said, Lord, do a miracle. I said, do a miracle, God, because my, my bank account needs it. <laughs> do a miracle. Get them there. And stop that plane from moving. Now, I knew it was an internal flight. And I thought, internal flight is probably not going to delay that often. She messaged me. She says, we've just run on. We, we've done it. We've got on the plane. We don't know how we've done it. We're on. Unfortunately, the bags didn't make it. Do you know what? No storm is too small to present to God. No matter what you're going through, no storm is too small or too big for him. And I realized that yesterday. It's only when they cried out to Jesus that he turned the situation around. And some of us, what we do is we're in the storm and we're not praying. We're not praying. We're not asking Jesus to get involved. And he wants to get involved on your problems. I'm coming to finish in just a moment. If the team could be ready to come back. The final thing I want to say today is storms will not just prepare you, position your faith, they'll push your faith. They will push your faith. John Bevere says this, God never leads us into a storm. He doesn't give us the power to overcome. In Mark 4, when we read it earlier, it says this, let's just read again, verse 39, Jesus got up. This is when they, they've woke him up and he's in the back of the stern. He gets up and he says, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Hallelujah. 
Do you know what? I find it really interesting. Jesus gets up, and now they're going to see an amazing miracle. He shouts to the wind and the waves, Peace! Be still! They see this. They watch. And in amazement, this is the first thing that they say. Who is this? Not, thank you Jesus. You know this morning when you were preaching on the beach. And you were saying all them things. You know the miracles we've seen. Oh, we knew you would come through. We knew you were good. We knew, Jesus, that you're the king of our lives. We knew, Jesus, that you've got the power. We were just struggling a little bit. No, they turn to him and say, who is this? Let me tell you something. Every storm you go through, the outcome will prove something you didn't know about Jesus. You think you've got it all together about Jesus? You think you know everything about him? Listen to me today. You will always find that when you've gone through a storm, at the other side of the storm, you will say, who is this? I didn't realize that you could get me through such a difficulty. Who is this? Do you know that these were not just people on a boat ride? They were not just on a little boat trip with Jesus. These were his followers. You might think you know everything about Jesus. Let me tell you, your storm, when you come through it, will prove something about Jesus you never thought you knew. What does it do? A storm will push your faith. It'll push your faith so that you learn something new about him and yourself. You see, storms develop character and relationship with Him. We've got to get to know who He is more. We've got to stop looking at the storm and we've got to start looking at Him. We've got to start looking at who the waymaker is, the storm breaker is. We've got to start looking in times of prayer, in our prayer lives, looking into the eyes of the King, saying, Jesus, I want to know more about you. I want to know you. I want to know you. Can I just encourage you that when you pray to Jesus, just start looking, gazing into His eyes. Close your eyes and gaze. Say, Jesus, show me more revelation of who you are. Because the more you know about him, the stronger you're going to be in your storm. Who is this? Who is this? Every new storm you face has the potential to show you something new about Jesus. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.